You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is green and gold history. 50-plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. The A's are the world champion. This is A's Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. It is now time for a little Green and Gold History with David Feldman, our A's historian. We will continue our top 10 uh, countdown. But before we do that, let's not forget, coming up September 4th at 5 o'clock, you can still sign up. You want to learn how to keep score like a pro. Feldy, you're going to teach everybody on September 4th at 5 o'clock. Yeah, we're going to teach everybody another scorekeeping seminar. There's actually going to be two different seminars coming up in September. Uh, the first one is going to be sort of a, more of the basics uh, for people who are inexperienced and who really want to learn about it and learn what goes into it. And then a second class a couple weeks later, a little more advanced, where we'll get into some wacky plays and hopefully show some videos and and talk about some of the hidden secrets of scorekeeping and and being an official scorer. Remember, it's only $25, and all the proceeds benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund. You go to athletics.com slash community corner. That's athletics.com slash community corner. Do you feel like after people go through this that they're like, yeah, I can do this, and they truly understand how to keep score? Well, I hope so. I hope they'll take you know the scorecard and watch the game that night and score along with it. And then if they have any questions, you know, I'm always reachable. I'm on Twitter at DFLD. Just send me a message and, and let me know if you have questions or whatnot, and uh, I'd love to help you out. Because I think once people get into it and you start scoring and you – as we've talked about, you really get into the game and you learn the game, you learn more about the strategy and and what goes into decision-making and you get to play manager at home. I think it's just a really good way to enhance your enjoyment of watching baseball. And, you know, one, one tip that I can give is, so the way I do it is everything's in pencil, except if you get on base, if you get on base, I do it with red ink. So that lets me always know where the base hits, walks, doubles, guy scores. It really stands out. Problem is now with you guys being at home, sometimes the calls are delayed. Like last night, uh, that one play by Marcus Simeon that was ruled in air, or maybe it was that two nights ago, uh, that was ruled in air. I was like, "Eh, I don't know if that's going to be – because scores can always come back two innings later and say, now we're now going to give that a hit. And unfortunately, if I've already put it down in the red ink as an air, I have to change it. So be very careful if you're keeping score and you're not using a pencil. Yeah, it was interesting. They were talking on the telecast last night, Glenn Kuyper and Ray Fossey. They were talking about Bill King and Lon Simmons. And Bill used to do everything in pencil. Right? Everything he had was in pencil so he can go back and make changes and make notes. And Lon Simmons was the opposite. Everything was in ink and it was, you know, tremendous penmanship the whole thing um it really is what you favor as your own personal score uh mike selick of the a's he's an ink guy but he's got his bottle of white out ready to go just in case there are scoring changes (laughs) 
All righty. We're going to do top 10 Grand Slams all time in A's history. Yeah, so we're going to look at the so 10 significant Grand Slams. So we're going to go in chronological order. Uh, and these are all, you know, the A's, since moving to Oakland, have hit 198 regular season slams and one postseason slam. Uh, so we're going to pick out 10 of them that had some significance or was just kind of historic in its making. Because, you know, Tony, who doesn't like a Grand Slam? Pitchers. Well, yeah, maybe pitchers don't like Grand Slams. So I, 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 I walked Mark Kotze to get to uh, their first baseman at Cal State Fullerton. I got my parents and my girlfriend in the stands, and a guy took me dead central at, at back then was Kevin Costner Field. Uh, <laughs> was not a good feeling. Uh, do you remember the first baseman's name? No, but he hit a bomb. I mean, it was just a rocket off of me. <laughs> so, yeah, I like Grand Slams as a fan. Uh, as a pitcher, uh, they really hurt your ERA. You know, I don't know if you ever had the chance to, to talk with Jim Palmer, uh, the Hall of Fame pitcher, Oriole great, um, now an Oriole broadcaster. Uh, but if you ever have, uh, usually within the first mm, 90 seconds, he will let slip that he never allowed a grand slam. We actually had Jim Palmer on what we like to call our set for A's cast down the left field line. And when he came walking up, you're just like, this guy's a star, right? Because when we were growing up, I mean, he's the best pitcher. He's the best looking guy. He's in jockey underwear. He's <laughs> Jim Palmer, for God's sakes. Exactly. Are you honest, he, you want to start with number 10? Yeah, so we're going to start with number 10. So just a little history. Um, actually, you know what? I got a little, little history and a little uh, honorable mentions for you today. Um, but looking back in A's history, in Philadelphia, they spent 54 seasons in Philadelphia. They hit 86 Grand Slams. Uh, Jimmy Fox and Sam Chapman, who went to Cal, uh, they led with nine each. 13 seasons in Kansas City. They only hit 30 slams. Uh, but a couple good names led. Roger Maris had three, and Marv Throneberry had three. And then since moving to Oakland, we're in 53rd season now, 198 regular season one. In the postseason, Mark McGuire hit eight. Uh, Steiny, Terry Steinbach, and Jason Giambi uh, also are. McGuire hit nine, and Steiny and Jason Giambi both hit eight for your Oakland leaders. Uh, and then a couple slams that, that didn't make the list. And obviously, we've had walk off slams. We've had Mark Ellis. We've had Stephen Biscotti this year. Uh, Brandon Inge, Mark McGuire, Tony Armis all had walk off slams. We had pinch hit slams from Reggie and Jeff Burrows and Wayne Gross. Now, the Wayne Gross pinch hit Grand Slam happened in 1979 at Old Comiskey Park in Chicago on Ed Farmer, the late, great Ed Farmer who just passed away this offseason. But this was one of the great stories of all time. Is Wayne Gross hits his homer off Ed Farmer, takes his time rounding the bases. Ed Farmer is fuming because, like you, he just gave up a Grand Slam, not happy, uh, especially to a pinch hitter. Uh Fast flash forward four years, 1983, spring training. Ed Farmer is now a member of the A's. Wayne Gross is back with the A's. First at bat in an inter-squad game, spring training. Wayne Gross against Ed Farmer, and Ed Farmer drills him. Yells at him, now we're even. That's holding a grudge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the old school baseball uh, Ed was an interesting guy. Whenever the White Sox came to town, yeah, he'll he'll definitely be missed. 
He is. He's, you know, didn't pitch well much for the A's, but in his little time, he made an impact. Uh, and one other Grand Slam I'd like to mention that didn't make the list because this was maybe the, the most amazing first inning I ever saw a player have. And it was Felix Jose. He was playing right field for the A's in 1990 uh, against the Brewers, Kurt Young, the A's starting pitcher. Robin Yount in the top of the first hits a drive to right that looks for sure like a two-run homer. Felix Jose goes over the wall, robs him with a two-run dinger. Jose then comes up in the bottom of the first and hits a grand slam. So that's a plus six first inning. That's a really good inning by Felix Jose. My God. Are you kidding me? You want to talk about valuable. <laughs> you talk about defensive run saves and runs earned and win percentage <laughs> at it. This guy was all over that chart that day. Love that, Felix that, Jose. That's literally one of the great analytic innings in the history of baseball. <laughs> I mean, we, I remember being in the press box for that game and you just had this look on your face. Like, did he just have an inning like that? That's, that's storybook. All right. Number 10. So number 10, we go to the first grand slam in Oakland history and it did not happen in 1968. They were grand slamless in 68. We have to go to April 16th of 69 at the Coliseum. Sal Bando had the honor of the first grand slam. He hit it off George Burnett lefty of the California Angels. Uh, it was the first of seven Grand Slams Sal Bando would hit with the A's. And here's the thing. They go a whole year, whole season, no Grand Slams. Sal Bando hits the first. Two weeks later, they're in Anaheim. Rick Monday hits the second Grand Slam in Oakland history off the same pitcher, George Burnett. What's the odds of that? Yeah, that's not good for his ERA. That's not good. Uh, and then just if you're wondering, the first Grand Slam by an opponent at the Coliseum was by Jose Cardinal, then of the Cleveland Indians, and he got off Ed Sprague in May of 1969. You know what? The, the fact that we've had, and I just, is, is it the shortened season that magnifies it, whatever it is? It's just, it's just. You'd think that Grand Slams are more prevalent than they really are. There's not as many as you think there are hits. So when we've had like this rash of Grand Slams, whether it was the A's and then it became the Padres, and all of a sudden you're like, this is baseball history. Yeah, there's uh, percentage-wise, there's been more this year. Um, and I really do think it's because hitters are not giving up that third swing. We talked about last time we talked last week that, you know, they're because they're not afraid to strike out. Um, with two strikes, they're still swinging for the fences, and it just gives you an odds of of hitting a mistake. You know, pitchers don't want to walk a guy with the bases loaded, so you're more likely to get a cookie, and hitters are taking advantage of it. And if you go back to Jim Palmer, and he always talked about this, about, you know, he's, he never gave up a grand slam. And he said, why? Because he said there was still a base open. Yeah, it was home plate, but I'd rather give up one run then give up four runs. So I'd rather walk a guy than give into a dude and give up a four-run homer. Number nine. Number nine, we go to the first walk-off Grand Slam in Oakland history, and that was by Gene Tennis in September of 1973 off Lloyd Allen of the Texas Rangers. I uh, hit it in the bottom of the 10th, but that doesn't tell the whole story because it was in the bottom of the ninth that Gene Tennis tied the game up with a two-out single to make it 1-1 to send it to extra inning. So he sends it to extra inning, and then the next inning, it's a walk-off grand slam, the dead center field. And again, what made that spectacular was it was the A's first off 
first walk-off slam since Eddie Juiced in 1952. And that Eddie Juiced Grand Slam was what they call the ultimate Grand Slam. Down by three, bottom of the ninth, he hits the, the four-run homer to win the game. And, of course, he hit it off Satchel Page. Wow. Satchel. You, you brought Satchel Page into this. Satchel Page. And we talked about this because this was the A's last five-run comeback before recently against the Giants. This was 1952. The A's had to score. They were down five, going to the ninth, and Eddie Juice wins it off Satchel Page. Satchel Page had a bad outing that game. He came in, he faced four batters, first three reach base on singles, and then the slam by Juice. <laughs> Poor Satchel. What a career, <laughs> though, man. What do you, how, old is, how old is he for his last pitch, like 56 or something like that? Uh, some people have him as old as 65. <laughs> uh, when Charlie Finley brought him in with the Kansas City A's, you know, Charlie Finley was doing a great thing for, for Satch because Satch needed a certain amount of time to qualify for his pension. So he literally signed him for three weeks with the Kansas City A's, uh, and he's got him a rocking chair, and he's sitting in a rocking chair in the A's bullpen. And he finally gets into a game against the Red Sox, pitches three shutout innings, because of course he does. He's Satchel Page. Uh, the only hit he gives up is a single to Carl Yastrzemski. Uh, and he qualifies for his pension. And, you know, Charlie Finley, and we know a lot of the things, but there are some things he does quietly to help players, and, and this was one of them. Number eight. Number eight, we're going to go to the first Inside the Park Grand Slam in Oakland history. And this was done on June 10th, 1979, by the slow-footed catcher, Jim Essien. Uh, how in the heck does Jim Essien, who can't run at all, Hit an inside the park grand slam. Uh, he hits it against Toronto against Mike Willis. He hits a drive down the left field line, and the Blue Jays left fielder Otto Velez literally stepped on the ball trying to field it, twists his knee, and crumples to the ground. And the ball rolls harmlessly into the corner. Center fielder is so far away, and there's Jim Essien racing around the bases for an inside the park slam, uh, a rare highlight for a team that lost 108 games. Ooh, that's a long year. And the, you know what's, what's funny, too, about Jim Essien, uh, again, slow-footed catcher, uh, he comes back to the A's in 1984, and he hits a walk-off home run. And it's his first-ever game-ending homer, hit it against the Angels, and he took the slowest trot you've ever seen around the bases. So slow that, I mean, it was even written about in the papers the next day. Uh, and if I remember correctly, you can almost see him like blowing kisses to his family as he's going around the bases. He's taking so long. Uh, you know, a normal home run trot is about 25 seconds. That seems to be about average. Jim Essie in that day was about a minute 15. That's how long it took him to get around the bases. <laughs> Number seven. Number seven, we go to Dave Kingman on April 16th, 1984. Um, you know, Kingman knew the A's. This is early in the season. His first time up in the first inning, he hits a grand slam off Matt Young. Okay, grand slam, that's nice. But now, next at bat in the third inning, two-run homer. Next at bat in the fifth inning, another two-run homer. So that grand slam led to a three-homer, eight-RBI game by Dave Kingman and just announced his presence to the American League that he wasn't this washed-up slugger. Uh, he was still an impactful player, and he was terrific in 1984. In fact, for his A's career, and we've talked about him before, 
84, 85, 86, 100 home runs. He did exactly what you wanted to have a big slugger. You want a Kong to hit bombs. And that grand slam just sort of announced his presence that day in Seattle. Yeah, if I remember correctly, the last couple of years that he played for the A's, I mean, every year he hit 30-something home runs. I was like, when I remember, I remember going over his numbers, I was like, why did this guy retire? Yeah, and he didn't want to retire. Um, you know, there was some stuff off the field that, that was not good. Um, you know, he had a thing with a female reporter. Um, they were, he was sort of curmudgeonly at times. Uh, and Tony LaRusso is the manager now. And Tony wasn't going to deal with that very much. You know, he's, he didn't want any distractions for his team. So you go into the 87 season. Uh, 87 was one of those years where the ball was flying out of the ballpark. Right, every home runs left and right. That was McGuire's rookie year, um, and everyone thought if Dave Kingman would have played in '87, he would have hit 50 some home runs. Uh, the A's went a different direction. They brought back Reggie Jackson to be the the left-handed DH because so they knew they had Canseco and they had McGuire, and they wanted a left-handed power hitter in between them instead of a right-hander and Dave Kingman. I, you know, Reggie didn't do much for the A's that year. He was sort of done. I think Kingman still would have hit about 40 home runs, but personality-wise, it just wasn't going to work out. I know he still wanted to play, but he ended up moving to Tahoe and living his life up there and being a recluse and having a good time. Number six. Speaking of Jose Canseco, maybe the most bitter, sweet Grand Slam in Oakland history and the only postseason Grand Slam in the history of the Athletics franchise, that's Jose Canseco, Game 1, 88 World Series, off Tim Belcher in the second inning, off the center field camera at Dodger Stadium. Um, you know, Jose was hit by a pitch in the first inning. So his first official at bat was his grand slam. He's the only player to hit a grand slam in his first official at bat of a World Series. Uh, it was a great moment. Unfortunately, it was one of only two great moments in the 88 World Series because after that slam, Jose went hitless. Uh, the other great moment was McGuire's walk-off in game three. But aside from that, he went hitless. Um, so it was bittersweet. But the moment that it happened, it was magical. Number five. Speaking of Mark McGuire, uh, we're going to go to August 15th, 1990, against the Red Sox. This is a Wednesday afternoon. 41,000 fans on a Wednesday afternoon in August of 1990. Just the place is rocking. I mean, the Coliseum was the place to be. I mean, this was the A's coming off uh, the World Series winning against the Giants. They're still the best team in baseball. They were the story. Canseco, McGuire, Ricky, Stu. I mean, they were the biggest thing going. Um, McGuire was not having a good year, but he still had 29 home runs at the time, and he was he was vowing to become the first player to ever have 30 home runs in each of his first four full seasons. Uh, McGuire's struggling, and this game is tied 1-1 in the bottom of the 10th. Of course, Dave Stewart has pitched all 10 innings against the Red Sox, not against Clemens in this game. Daniel Kickert, but still dealing. Um, the A's have second and third with one out in the bottom of the 10th. Joe Morgan's a Red Sox manager. Uh, he intentionally walks Dave Henderson to get to McGuire. So talk about the disrespect, right? To get to McGuire. McGuire's 0 for 3 with three strikeouts on the game. Here's some more disrespect. Joe Morgan takes out the right-handed reliever, Daryl Irvine, and brings in Rob Murphy, a left-hander to face McGuire. I and mean, this is just disrespect all over the place, right? 
But McGuire steps in, first pitch from Murphy, gone. Deep left field, look it up on YouTube. He crushes it. Bill King's got a great call. Number 30 on the season, walk-off slam. First player with 30 home runs in each of his four seasons. And it actually propels McGuire for the rest of the year. Uh, he becomes a much better hitter. It's 284 going the rest of the way, 417 versus lefties. But that disrespect on that Wednesday afternoon in front of 41,000 fans, and Mark McGuire was having none of it. Don't you disrespect me. I love it. Number four. Number four, one of the, the greatest pinch hit grand slams in Oakland history, and that's Matt Stairs at Candlestick Park against the Giants off Steve Reed. The second season of interleague play, the A's and Giants, I mean, the big crowds, and it's been you know made up in the, in the Bay Area. And these weren't terrific baseball teams at the time, but these were big games. Giants lead. Uh, they had just won two games at the Coliseum. Now we're playing at Candlestick. The Giants are winning. Uh, Matt Stairs pinch hits for Mike McFarland, and he crushes a 3-2 pitch to dead center for a pinch hit slam. Uh, and for Stairs, I mean, he is Mr. Pinch Hit. He holds the Major League record for most career pinch hit home runs, 23 of them. He had four of them with the A's. And this was the most memorable pinch hit grand slam at Candlestick against the Giants. He's got the most pinch hit home runs in the history of the game? In the history of the game, 23 of them. Wow. That is an extreme amount of pinch hit home runs. I mean, what a weapon. You know, the famous one in 08 for the Phillies against the Dodgers and Jonathan Broxton that helps them basically clinch the NL pennant. And just the fear of Matt Stairs the next year in 2009 actually helped the Phillies win again, another NL pennant. Uh, what a threat because you saw when he went up to the plate, he was only thinking one thing. I'm going to crush it. I'm trying to go yard every time he's up. And as a pinch hitter, he's just looking for one fastball. And if he got it, gone. Number three. Number three, 2001 in Seattle, Miguel Tejada. And what made this special is this was a game that Otto was having. First inning, he hits a triple. Third inning, he hits a single. Sixth inning, he hits a double. So now he comes up with the bases loaded in the seventh. Grand slam. As Ken Korak has it on the call, again, look it up on YouTube, a cycle slam. I just, how, how do you cap off? A cycle any better. I mean, there have been 330 all-time cycles. There have only been nine with a grand slam. And amazingly, of these nine, three of them are actually in A's history. Uh, Nap Lajoie had a cycle slam in 1901. Jimmy Fox had a cycle slam in 33. And then Miguel Tejada with a cycle slam at Seattle. What a year. What a year, 2001, as the A's, uh, you know, had his terrible start. But then they were the best team in baseball down the stretch. Number two. Number two, again, maybe bittersweet for the guy who hit it, but one of the greatest games in A's history, July 20th, 2009. Matt Holiday in a 10-run comeback against the Twins. And the A's trailed in this game 12-2 in the third inning. And Matt Holiday, who got off to such a, a bad start with the A's, uh, and really left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. I mean, he had 226 over the first 26 games. But he actually played very well in his last two months with the A's, hitting over 300. But this was his game, right? He doubled in the first, doubled in the third, hit the two-run homer in the fourth. Uh, the A's have now cut it to 12-7. to seven. 
And now we go to the bottom of the seventh. Orlando Cabrera hits a two-run double to cut it to 13-9 and upsets Holiday, and he hits a grand slam to tie it to complete the 10-run comeback. Oh, yeah, Jack Cuss follows with a solo shot. These are some great names, by the way. Cabrera, Holiday, Jack Cuss. It's a solo shot. The A's lead 14-13. to And then the game ends when Michael Kadire tries to score from second on a wild pitch by Michael Wirtz. Now, replay showed he was probably safe, but no replay at the time. And the A's had their biggest comeback since moving to Oakland. And this is another game. You know, we get into the winter and there are no sports. we got a little dead time. The full game is on YouTube, July 20th, 2009. The full game is the A's broadcast of a 10-run comeback with the big moment being a Matt Holiday game-tying Grand Slam. And the number one greatest Grand Slam in Oakland A's history is? It's Stephen Piscotty against the Giants at Oracle Park back on August 14th, completing another unbelievable come back from five runs down, something that hadn't happened since 1952. I mean, Piscotty comes up, down by four, ninth inning, bases loaded, and I think as a fan, you're just thinking, what if? What if he could hit one now? What if he could hit? And he hit it! We had never seen that. You know the last time the A's hit a game tying Grand Slam in the ninth inning? It was also in 1952. It was two weeks after Eddie Juice's slam against Page. He had a game tire in the ninth at Cleveland. It was Gus Zerniel who had a very good career for the A's. But again, you don't see game tying grand slams. And Stephen Piscotti did it at Oracle Park, and that was just magical. I mean, just something you just, as it comes up, as it's happening, you're just praying that it could actually happen, and it happened. I mean, when you're going back to 1952, I mean, the history is unreal. It is. It is. It just these moments don't happen. And we've had so many, you know, like we talked about in this shortened season. And this is why, you know, the Matt Olson walk-off slam was great, but he just needed a fly ball to win the game. Same with Piscotti's walk-off slam. Just needed a fly ball. And they got the fly ball. They just happened to go out of the park. But to actually hit a slam when you needed it to tie, that to me, that's, that's the ultimate. Can we at least agree on this? Uh, the ball wasn't juiced in 1952. No, it was not juice. And playing at Cleveland, and that place was huge. They had a homer there. You had to, you had to do something. And Gus Zerniel, you know, for the Philadelphia A's, again, a very underrated player, but he had some tremendous seasons. Uh, that 52 squad, that sounds like a pretty fun squad to watch. One of their last years at Philadelphia with Eddie Juice and Gus Zerniel and still Connie Mack. Oh, but a fun club to, to follow. Can you imagine Connie Mack back in the day, how humid it is in the summer, and the dude is wearing a three-piece suit? Oh, my God. I know. He had the scorecard, right? He, a good scorekeeper himself, Connie Mack, and he'd be waving it. He's not waving it to, to, to get fielders to move. He's waving it to cool off in the dugout. Yeah, that would have been – that. I, I mean, it's just – to think about what baseball was then, and now we got, you know, and people even make fun of managers now. Like, why, why is the manager and the coaching staff in full-on baseball uniform? <laughs> you know, Nobody else does that. You know, I mean, but uh, it is what it is. All right, run it down again. Top 10 Grand Slams all time all right. in Oakland A's history. Car, chronologically, 1969, Sal Bando with the first slam in Oakland history. 1973, Gene Tennis. The first walk-off slam. 1979, Jim Essien, the first inside-the-park slam. 1984, 
Dave Kingman starts off a three-homer game with a grand slam, which also reminds me Chris Davis ended a three-homer game with a grand slam back in 2016. Don't want to not mention that. Uh, number six, the only postseason slam in World Series history, or in Oakland postseason history, Jose Canseco against the Dodgers in 88. Mark McGuire in 1990 checks in at number five, grand slam to cap off another 30 home run season. There's a walk-off slam, first player. They had 30 or more in each of his first four full seasons. Matt Stairs in 1998, a pinch hit grand slam at Candlestick Park. Number three, 2001, Miguel Tejada, the cycle slam, hitting a grand slam to cap off a cycle. Number two, Matt Holliday in 2009, a grand slam to complete a 10-run comeback. And finally, number one, Stephen Piscotti, ninth inning, game-tying grand slam against the Giants. And do not forget, September 4th at 5 o'clock, scorekeeping 101, the basics. You sign up athletics.com slash community corner. It's $25 proceeds benefit the Oakland A's community fund. And then Friday, September 18th at five o'clock, it's scorekeeping 101, but secrets uncovered. So you learn how to do it on the fourth and then on the 18th, that's where you're bringing the big boy pads and you're really learning how to keep score. I've got a question. I've never asked you this. I don't know if it's a dumb question or not, but so do all the scorekeepers in baseball, do you have the same uh, scorecard? No, no, everybody has their own uh, score sheet and you know, what works for you. Um, I like having both teams on one page. I've used the same score sheet now for 35 years or so. Um, You know, other people have a flip where they have one team on one page, one on the other or you'll have a two-sided kind of open-faced scorebook. Um, everybody kind of does their own thing to what makes sense for them. Um, at the end of the game, we're all filling out the same paperwork, so it becomes standardized that way. But for actually scoring it as the game's going on, each one has our own personal style. How do we see yours? So we, we sent one out uh, to the A's, and I think if you uh, sign up for the class, I think you're going to get a copy of it. And I also believe the A's are working on making some scorebooks uh, available using my page. And again, it might not work for you. Uh, it works for some, not for others. Um, but I think the A's are making it available to the people who sign up. All right. September 4th, 5 o'clock and September 18th at 5 o'clock. Go to athletics.com slash community corner. Feldy, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. That's A's Green and Gold History, Top 10 Grand Slams in Oakland A's History. How awesome was that? Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of 
the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.